cue motivational music. Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name's Dean and I'm a designer on a quest. A quest to further understand the creative industry and learn as much as this noggin will hold. Join me as I share my discoveries and tap into the minds of some of the most well-respected creatives in the world. This is my creative therapy. Welcome to episode 18. In this episode, I speak to VaynerMedia's former Chief Creative Officer and Gary V's right-hand man, Steve Babcock. In this episode, we chat about what it's like to work alongside Gary V and the awesome relationship that he has with his staff, what it takes to be considered for a creative position at VaynerMedia, Steve's insane portfolio of work and where he gets his inspiration from, and loads more. Good morning. Good. It, it, is, it is morning over there, right? It is, yeah. It's... The day is just just beginning. Half six, I believe. Half six. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Wow. So, why'd you get up so early? If you don't mind me asking. I well, I <laughs> this will this will sound like uh, I'm I'm not a super health health nut, but I'm trying to be more of one. So I have a schedule. Um, ah, okay. My wife is a is a personal trainer. And so she's got me on this schedule. That means I have to, uh, uh, I got to go to the gym. I have a very specific weightlifting regimen she's put me on. And so I do that in the morning before I, before I uh, get to get to work. That sounds cool. What about diet and stuff? Are you sort of taking that seriously? Yeah. Yeah. That one it's, it's, I've always like, yeah, for some, I'm never really eaten too poorly, but I'm I'm definitely, as you get older, you know, things start to matter a lot more. You know, yeah. you're like, wait a minute, this thing that I thought was harmless, I actually probably shouldn't eat that anymore, and this and that. <laughs> so I'm just trying to, in general, get get better at 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 you know, yeah, totally worrying about those kind of things. Yeah, I go through I go through phases with fitness and you know health. It normally lasts for around about three weeks, and then I'm back to, you know, sort of not really watching what I'm eating and just being lazy and, you know, not really exercising. Although I, I know it, it, it is really good for you, which is why I should really invest more time in it. But that's awesome. Um, yeah. So, Steve, again, thanks so much for, for, for joining me. I've got a, a bunch of questions that I'm keen to ask. And um, yeah, I really appreciate your appreciate your time. I know you're a busy busy man, um, so thank you. If you don't mind, I would love to just crack on and yeah, let's do it. Awesome. Okay, cool. So you studied communication at the University of Idaho. Is that right? Uh, well, yes, I was there for one year, and then I transferred to the University of Utah, where I where I really got into the the major. So when when was it that you realized that you wanted to, you know, do something creative with your life? I mean, actually, I was a pretty pretty young age. So I, I grew up in a in a very small town in Idaho and I was the youngest of five kids. And uh my older brothers, I remember as a I mean, as far back as I can remember, they um they would make movies. Um this is this is like super you know super eight cameras way back in the day and and so they were always making movies and i had another brother who was a really good artist and the one was a musician and all these things so creativity was kind of in the family and 
at a very young age, I, I decided I wanted to be a film director. I wanted to make movies. Cool. Um, so, uh, and I think I was really inspired by kind of my older brother. So in, in, in high school, we would, you know, and they're, they're very silly to look at now, but we would make, we would just make videos and movies and all. And I always think like, gosh, we were, it's, we were a little ahead of our time because now kids who do that make a whole bunch of money on YouTube. You know, <laughs> like we had no way to distribute the things we made. Um, so yeah, at a very young age, I, I knew I wanted to create stories or to make entertainment for other people. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I've, I've seen some of the, some of the work that you've done on your, on your portfolio and it's insane. You know, the, the clients that you've got, obviously you're probably best known if you don't mind me saying for obviously um, working alongside Gary V at VaynerMedia. I heard from a chat you had with Rob Johnston that you were a little reluctant to join VaynerMedia when you were approached by the recruiter. Can you tell us a bit about <laughs> the story and the moment you realized, you know, this is definitely the guy that I want to work for? Yeah, it's, um, I think it was 20, it was the summer of 2015. And I was living in uh, Boulder, Colorado, and was in the middle of kind of building or starting this notion of building my own little ad agency uh, with a really good friend of mine. And, um, and I got a, a call, a recruiter call, which is pretty typical, you know, and I, in my opinion, with those things, it's I'm always, I always take the call, I always listen, I never know, even if I'm like, no, I've got the thing I'm trying to do here. So I took this call and I had never, you know, I hadn't heard of, of Gary. I had not heard of his agency, VaynerMedia, uh, or anything. And on top of it, I had no interest in moving or relocating my family to New York City. I had uh, I'd been there several times. And every time I'd been there, I thought this is a cool place to visit, but there's it is just not what I like and it would, you know, wouldn't work for my family. Anyway, yeah. So that was, that was mainly it, but also just, I'd never heard of this place. And, 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 and so if you're going to get me to move to a place, I don't want to live and, you know, uproot my family, then I really have to want this job or really have to be in, inspired by the opportunity or whatever. So I, there was just none of that. And, um, but they were very persistent. Um, you know, I always, I always say Gary is a very, a very good salesman. And, um, and also I, I decided, well, cool, let me go out and, and, and meet with him and a couple members of the team. And it just, the more we talked, the more, uh, it opened up to me, the notion of, you know, for me, it was a little bit more of, because again, I, I didn't, I didn't know him. I didn't come with any of the any of that. So for, for me, it was never really about him as an individual or who he, he was. It was more about, well, okay, this is maybe change is really good for my family or my career. Like, let's, let's go there. I mean, I work in advertising. You got to try New York. Yeah, and also I got, I ended up getting really excited about the challenge of you know, being a the, the the first chief creative officer of VaynerMedia or of any any place, but I like that challenge to be able to come in and really take a creative 
department or a, a creative offering that wasn't really doing much, um, you know, in terms of getting recognition or, or whatever. And it was because it was so new and to be able to develop it into something that was, that's really the, 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 like the thing that finally tipped, tipped it over for me to be like, all right, let's go, let's go do that. Um, so it really was again. Yeah. And, and I liked that. I, you know, uh, didn't come in with any of that preconceived notion or whatever. And so I was able to, I think for me, I was able just to, you know, become friends with, with Gary as a human being, not as a internet persona or a celebrity or any of that. I was just, cause to me, I was like, this is just some guy. And, uh, and so that was, that was really a, a good experience for me. So did New York eventually grow on you then? Did you start to like it? I I love it. I and it was the biggest surprise of my life. And and I think I don't know, I think there's a big difference between visiting a place and living there because from day one, um I'm like, I love this city. I just I really, really do. And um and yeah, you know, now having been there for about four years, you know, it's like Okay, there's definitely there's things. It's it's a, you know it's a bit of a grind. You're on a train a lot of times, and that yeah. train's breaking down, and it's crowded and things. But there's just there's an energy. I think that's really the thing is there's a there's an energy about the place that, um, you know, becomes a little bit addictive. Like yeah, it just even the energy inside Penn Station when they cancel all the trains. And there's a million people just about ready to riot. You know, it's the worst situation you could ever be in. And you need to get home to have dinner with your family or whatever. There's still just like, man, a really cool energy about the about the place that I don't, I don't I've never experienced anywhere else. Yeah, man. I um I grew up just wanting to, you know, move to New York and work in New York. That was the the sort of the dream. And it might be because, you know, of all the, the old school films like Home Alone and stuff and you know that have built this picture in my head of what new york was and like and when you see it on the tv and then i went there for my 30th birthday and fell ill whilst i was over there which was super annoying so i got pneumonia whilst i was over there but it, it wasn't until like a week in or so so we had seen everything that we wanted to see and um yeah but i had to go into a hospital and then i just came back and i was like oh man that couldn't have ended any worse it was it was pretty oh, savage yeah. but i mean whilst you know i was experiencing experiencing it it was incredible and it's compared to the uk where i'm in in the minute it's it's like polar opposites um you know everyone's sort of very sort of uh recluse and sort of you know keep themselves themselves and you know, if someone got on the tube in London and there was a group of people singing, everyone would move away. Whereas, right. you know, um, <laughs> everyone sort of gravitates towards that that energy, I guess, in in a, in a place like New York. But yeah, another thing I heard you talking about, which I found really interesting was about Gary Vee, was the the relationship that he has with his staff and how he doesn't expect everyone to be like... Uh, a carbon copy of himself and I think you mentioned it once and I think he once said I I work this hard so my people don't have to has he always had this sort of approach to management yeah I mean in, in, in 
yeah, in all of my interactions, he, I mean, I think it's also important. There's, there is a, a pretty significant difference between the Gary V, you know, um, brand mm. and Vayner media in terms of, um, not, not in terms of mindset and how to make work and how to approach social media and how to, uh, makes, you know, build success for clients and things like that, but just kind of in, in vibe a, a little bit, you know, like, um, I think a lot of people will, will think Gary V and VaynerMedia are very synonymous. Whereas in VaynerMedia is whatever, 600 people, 700 people. It's a, wow. it's a pretty large group yeah. of people with, um, you know, a really strong leadership team that, that no one knows of, right? Because it's it's just kind of Gary's the face of of everything. And so they are very, very different. Mm. Uh, you know, so when you watch a Gary V video, you know, like the 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 Daily V or whatever, where it's like, all right, that guy, I don't know when he sleeps and he's meeting to meeting to meeting to hustle to hustle to airplane to airplane to airplane. That and I, I it would actually kind of be a thing that I would encounter a lot when I was trying to recruit talent is you know some people are like uh you know i have kids i'd like to you know i want to is this job going to mean i'm never home and that you know and so mm. i would have to help them understand like well that's 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 different here we work we work very hard and we get the job done and we're a, we're a company that really wants to do right by our clients but gary is an extreme example of of never stopping you know what i mean so uh and 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 so yeah he's there is a little bit of a separation there but i uh it was actually a concern of mine once i was gonna once i crossed over and was like you know what i think i might do this Mm. you know and i was i i would watch (laughs) you know i remember i watched some gary v videos because i'm like i should try to get to know this guy especially as i'm starting to talk to him (laughs) And I had a conversation with him right up front. I said, look, man, like, I appreciate this hustle thing, um, you know, and hustling to to build your side job or this or that. But I said, my hustle is my family. Mm, yeah. So I'll work really hard, but it's so that I can have time with them. And so, you know, and, and that's when I think he said that to me. Or I think he's quoted as saying it, but I remember he said something like, absolutely. He's like, this is mine and I do this. So that people can also, you know, who work at VaynerMedia can also pursue their passions and whatever their hustles are. Yeah. I love that he's got, you know, so much compassion and and empathy and, you know. um, Yeah, I don't want to go too much on about VaynerMedia because I know you're not there anymore. But just quickly, I I know how attractive the brand is uh, for creatives. And I can see why so many people want to work there. For those listening who are fully aware of VaynerMedia, and I'm sure there's going to be a few, is there anything that might that they might want to consider if they're applying for a position there, or just want to reach out to try and sell themselves? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I think, um, it, and I haven't been I haven't been gone that long, so I don't imagine there's been too much crazy significant change. So I think my, my answer would still be relevant here. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the department that I really focused on building there, which I think is true to VaynerMedia, not just true to my creative style as a leader there, but was, um, was very much a maker culture, mm. you know, typically in advertising, um, 
it's it's a little bit more of a thinker culture for creatives where you know what i mean by that is you know you 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 get you get paid to think of really awesome ideas and to sell the awesome ideas and then you go um hire a production company or a director or something uh, or a developer to make the ideas Mm. and you know we really look at that and was like well that's that's a that's something that's not working in today's you know in the realities of today a clients that the time you know the timelines are cut in half the budgets are definitely cut in half and the media landscape requires you know you to be able to make more and put more out into the world at a, at a volume and at a pace so I would build, in fact, I started to not call it the creative department. I called it the creator department because I'm like, we're creators. Yeah. Thinking of ideas is the base job for anybody who works in this agency, regardless of what department you should be able to think of. That's because that's, that's what this comp that's what any agency is. You're an idea company. You use creativity to solve very challenging business problems. Mm. And, and then in the, in the creator department, it's like, oh, this is this is sort of where the product get ma- gets made, and so, and then to diversify that, right? You know, you can if say you're a, a designer or a visual artist, yeah. you know, learn how to animate. Hmm. You know, I always called it a, a double threat minimum. It's like you, you got to be able to do two things really well, right? Because you know, we can't have you know twelve people to screw in a light bulb anymore. Mm-hmm. We we can, we need like one or two. So that means, hey, if you're a copywriter, you know maybe start looking at what it's like to to be a director as well. So you can write a video and also know how to direct it. Or or even if you're a writer, like make sure you can write in a variety of forms. Make sure you're a good technical writer. Make mm-hmm. sure you're a good headline writer. Try comedy. Write a script. Uh, you know, all of these types of things. So, you know, like I said, we needed to be able to create the kind of work we were creating for our clients at the pace we were creating it needed people who a liked that, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it is in my opinion, what's fun about the job, but you'd be surprised. Some people just wanted to be kind of the person that just said, here's an idea, go make it for me. Here's an idea, go make it for me. And that just doesn't fly. Yeah. Um, plus, you know, Gary invested a, a lot of money in a really awesome production facility in Long Island City. And I had moved the majority of the creative department over there. I moved over there myself because it's like we're, we, we're, we're sitting on top of studio space and prop rooms and gear rooms and we had camera, we had everything you needed yeah. to make. And so that would be basically that is like you have to be a maker, you have to be a creator, and and you have to be you have to understand. And I'd say this is advice for any creative, not just getting into Vayner Media, but hmm. is you have to understand and be excited about where the media landscape today. I, I still would encounter a lot of creatives that seem to just resist. They just now the old model of we just take a whole lot of time mm-hmm. to craft this one television commercial, this epic, and it was just that. And I and I have no I have no issue with with television as a media. I think wherever you have your audience, that's a media that's that's good to pursue. But just to be more open to like 
you know what, making a run and gun, you know, video on your phone that it, that for an idea that makes a whole lot of sense on Snapchat, like you have to be excited about that as a creative. I think creatives in advertising have somehow developed this like hierarchy of what is sexy and what isn't sexy. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's sexy to make a big, you know, expensive film, but it's not sexy to make a Snapchat, you know, lens. Yeah. And I just, I think you have to break that down. And the best creatives are people who go, everything is sexy. Mm. <laughs> you know, like it's an opportunity for me to use my creativity to reach an audience and to solve a business problem. Wherever that is, is an opportunity to, to, to have fun and be creative. And so that is especially true at, at, at VaynerMedia. Mm. Yeah, I love that. <clears throat> I think it's a great point as well. You mentioned sort of understanding the landscape and the, the kind of the industry that you're in, I guess. And I guess that applies for even when you're applying for the position, you know, like if you're successful in getting, getting an interview and you, you turn up to the interview, recognize the industry you're in. You know, you wouldn't, if you're meeting with a bunch of creatives who you know are fairly laid back, you wouldn't necessarily turn up in a three-piece suit with a with a briefcase under your arm. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah, recognize the, the industry that you're in. And again, I think it's a great point about staying sort of multidisciplined and, you know, branching up, branching out into different areas and stuff and learn animation, especially on social these days animation just seems to be everywhere whether the, you know you're making content 9 by 16 or could you run us through like the process of how the team sort of plan create and publish content throughout the day is there a meeting first thing in the morning where you all get together and see what's trending or well yeah i mean gary's team is separate right mm. um so he has a team of about 40 people who make the gary v all of Gary's content and they're, oh, you know, they're okay. literally follow him around with cameras and shooting that and that. Mainer mm. media, the, the part that I was a part of, we, we've just worked on, on all client stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously we're all in the same building and things kind of crossed over here and there, et cetera. Mm. So I could speak to what I observed, but I never, myself was never, I, I didn't oversee or creative direct any of that, but oh, right. okay. you know, they, they all, they all sat in a room together. Um, I know they meet every morning and they kind of plan out boom, 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 how that would work. Yeah. You know, the thing that, the, the thing that I thought was really advantageous about having that team and, and, and that group doing what they were doing is because, you know, that, that it was, it was really interesting observation because that team didn't have to be an idea team. Hmm. And that was the biggest difference, right? Because, the big idea existed. It's Gary. Yeah. Right. So they didn't need a hook. Whereas in my team, we're working uh, traditionally with clients and it's like, our job is to figure out how to make someone care enough to, to engage with this content for some random laundry detergent. Right. You know, that's, (laughs) that's the world that I'm from. We're over here. It was like, you don't have to worry about that. It's Gary V. People are going to tune in. But what was awesome is like they became and and are and we would we would really be able to to leverage that insight on the Vayner Media side was they were masters of the technique in social media, mm. right? Like the te- when when you don't have to worry about the idea anymore, you you have a weird like petri dish of of just how to deploy 
because you have a perfect case where it's like, okay, we're our subject matter is Gary V. Okay, we're automatically going to get eight billion views, but now we can get really specific and go, what works better, a picture with 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 type on it or type and then long copy in the in the post copy? You know, they were mm. really got great at figuring out the just the smallest details of what is it you know of engagement and so i i always thought that was really interesting to be able to go okay well say we now have a big idea for this laundry detergent mm -hmm. we could leverage that sort of observation from team gary v of like oh you know what when we make this post let's make that animate and and put the copy up here da, da, da. so that was it was there was some cross learning um but i i personally couldn't tell you how the Gary V team operated. I just, yeah, no. I could from an observational standpoint, but I, I didn't deal with with his brand. Ah, right, okay. That's cool though. So, I mean, when I look at sort of Gary's content, it's kind of, there's this kind of inconsistency with it, which is kind of nice. Um, you know, there isn't a, a, like a chosen color palette or I, at least I don't think so. Um, I might be wrong, or like a chosen uh, a specific font that he sticks to, or you know a style of like if you look through his sort of his YouTube thumbnails, they they're all um, dissimilar from one another, aesthetically. Yeah. Um, they, they obviously all carry the same tone of voice, and they've all got that sort of that energy behind the artwork. But yeah, I, I find it really interesting. So was there ever a, a time? Well, I, I guess there would be when you would kind of use the face of Gary V to uh, to leverage Vayner Media and to pull clients in through you know that hook that you had oh well yeah i mean and and, and he was he certainly is the ceo of Vayner Media it's just more on just how how things operate it can be a little bit different between Gary V and Vayner Media but i'm not 90% if not more mm. um, at least in the beginning of my time there all all potential clients that I observed came through uh, a relationship or an, or an interest in working with, or in some cases I would say an infatuation <laughs> with Gary V. Yeah. And so, you know, when I got there, I realized, okay, the problem isn't getting clients in the problem is keeping them. Yeah. And, and, and that was really why, like, I was like, I have to build a, a creative offering here that can match or at least substantiate the draw to work with someone like Gary Vee. And so um, I would say toward the end, it started to be uh, a, a little bit more of a mix, you know, like that became kind of my goal as an agency. Just, I think that's, you know, like a, a pretty a worthy goal for anyone is like, especially when you have someone, a founder and a CEO like that, it's like, we have to start winning clients yeah. and business that it doesn't come through Gary or doesn't become of Gary because of Gary, because that's just a weird place to be in where it's like one, you know, that's yeah, it's dangerous for a big organization. And so, um, you know, it toward the end where we started to win some, some business with like craft and some other things that, that maybe they had heard of Gary, but, uh, and the agency, but they weren't, that wasn't the deciding factor for them that was important i think for the vayner media side to be like cool you're now able to be a little more self-sufficient you know because any founder of a, at some point 
steps away, (laughs) you know, at some point, whether you're Steve Jobs or whether you're this or this. So you have to start building that. And that to me, I think was um, a a rightful, I wouldn't even say concern because Gary's still very young, but Mm. it was definitely something that crossed my mind when we were thinking about how to build up the agency. It was like, we need to be more self-sufficient as VaynerMedia, um, you know, because that's just, you can't rely on one person for everything. That's not a, that's not a smart place to be. I mean, anything could happen. I mean, you know, yeah, heaven forbid an illness or, you know, you just, yeah, you, you can't want rely that. on that one person to, to carry you through the foreseeable future. To be honest, I didn't realize how, how big VaynerMedia was. I obviously looking at the clients and keeping an eye uh, over what VaynerMedia has been doing over the last few years. I knew they were big, but I didn't know there were sort of, you know, 600 plus um, employees big. But this kind of flows into something else that I wanted to ask. I've I seen a, a Q&A that you did with Fishbowl and one comment that really stood out for me and it, it, it's often talk about, talked about on this podcast is, uh, I'll just read it out. So I don't think size will be the dif- uh, different differentiator moving forward it'll be the mindset the agencies who know how to make better faster and more economically will win and what makes this so interesting is you would assume looking at the the bigger picture that the the bigger organizations would have the the resource and the learning capacity to to know this and sometimes they do but because they've been you know doing things the same way for so long it can be hard to to break that mold and um it's interesting because I, I spoke to james somerville uh, a couple months ago who was the the vice president of design at coca-cola and he said when he started coke uh, he had exactly that mindset you know uh, i think he said don't exactly quote me on this but i think he said something like we need to act small act like a small company and we need to move like a sm- small company Really interesting. Do you think Vayner Media will ever get to this this stage where it's so big and has so many people working within it and so many internal politics that it might struggle to move into the areas where smaller, you know, similar brands are succeeding? Sorry, that was a bit of a hench uh, question. No, <laughs> no, no. I, I don't know. Uh, you know, from my observation, it's they're they're in. A, a very unique and different position. And it's, you know, it's because if you look at the the parent company, which is called Vayner X, oh, yeah. there's a lot of brands underneath it. Vayner Media is one, but Gary is very much, he's got Vayner Talent, Vayner Speakers, he's got Tracer, he's got Sasha Group, Vayner Production. Like, so it's, um, he's creating a lot of these small companies that specialize in, in certain things. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't think so. And yeah. I also just say Gary is not an ad. He's not an ad man, like a, like a classic, he's an entrepreneur. He's a businessman. Yeah. He's a salesman. Totally. He's a motivational speaker. You know, he's his whole brand. And so I see him diverse, continuing to diversify. And, and I think that will, will be why, you know, one of many reasons why he'll continue to be successful is he's not putting, you know, he's got a million baskets with one egg in each versus everything yeah. at one. You know, for for VaynerMedia, 
you know, specifically, it was it was a pretty big size. It was definitely, you know, big enough to have all the classic stuff, the politics and this and that. But I've never worked at a place that doesn't have some of that. Yeah, of course. Um, or, or, you know, but the but I would say from my experience, the, the mindset of how how to be nimble and make work yeah. um, for clients there is pretty unrivaled to any other any other place I've I've experienced. Totally. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So where, where do you get your inspiration from personally? Is it sort of like traditional social media or sites like uh, Behance or Pinterest? Uh, you know, I, I it's funny, you, you get asked that question a lot, actually, and my answer is just kind of like everywhere. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm obviously a practitioner and very, very uh, active in social media and things like that. Mm. Um, but my inspiration, um, I, I could never, I don't know, I could never identify like this is the well that I go to, yeah. you know, every time for my inspiration and, and things like that. I, uh, you know, I just, I think, you know, I think it's about, it's, it's funny that your comment just made me think of this a little, I think, I think being a practitioner in the spaces is the most valuable thing for a, for a creative to do. And I actually think it's one of the issues that is, you know, right now in our industry, I've noticed it too. I, I even noticed it working at Vayner, you know, cause my, is this idea of ageism, um, mm-hmm. meaning, you know, it's like, there's a, there's a joke that no one, no one retires in advert. You don't go to a lot of retirement parties in advertising. Um, and, and it's true. And I even looked at VaynerMedia and I'd be like, man, my team is like predominantly very, very young. Yeah. Like if you looked across the board, very, very young. And that was something that I was mindful of, of like, why don't I, I need to definitely have more of, uh, more experienced individuals or just a difference in age is a diversity. Yeah. You know, that is a, that is very much a diversity as much as the other parts of diversity we talk about. One of the challenges that I found and one of the culprits of, of this divide is that in the last, you know, 10 years, 15 years, there was this dramatic explosion of new media. Yeah, of course. And, and I think one of the biggest challenges is there was a group of creatives who didn't were not attracted to it or for whatever reason didn't become practitioners or, or aren't experienced in it. Mm-hmm. And, and then those who were, and I think that's the main difference to me is like, it doesn't matter your age. In fact, the more you've been in this business should be the better. As long as you have continued, you have to invest in this business yeah. in being a practitioner. And so right now, you know, um, I mean, I remember it, Vader, you know, I was like definitely the only, you know, 39 year old or 40 year old who was on musically before it became TikTok. And A, that's also probably just kind of weird. Like, why is an old dude on musically? (laughs) Um, But, but it's because, like, it's A, it's a pretty cool app. It's fun. But at the end of the day, like, that's the job. Yeah. If you're going to be a creative in advertising as you get older, and and that should be a value because you have experience, you understand marketing, not just social media tactics. You understand 
the you know from the brand side but you but you're unfamiliar with or unable to you know know how to work within a new medium yeah. like that's your demise and so for me i guess my answer is just and and i guess i'm lucky that it's not something i have to force i'm naturally interested in it and always have been mm. but um that's the inspiration and that i think is the the way you stay relevant yeah. in this business okay. and and hopefully more more of us older folk do that so there can be more retirement parties in advertising <laughs> but you've got to yeah. you've got to be interested in it you just have to you, yeah. you can't be interested in just television commercials absolutely you've definitely got to throw yourself into it and you know so sort of be adventurous and um, look at new opportunities that might be coming up because you never know when there might be an opportunity to monetize that opportunity and with monetization obviously comes with uh, a, a great deal of interest from brands and that's you know how a lot of creatives get their work but yeah I, I find it really interesting the whole ageism thing uh, especially within the creative industry at the minute and you've sort of just hit the nail on the head there with the whole split uh, between those who sort of took it on board um, and those who sort of left it behind and didn't really want to get involved in it and can be sort of seen as you know getting a little bit stale when in fact they're they're absolutely not they've probably got more experience than all of us they just weren't really that interested in one particular thing and that one particular thing turned out to be 10 particular things which is now the biggest place to put content you know in the in the world i guess but yeah i'm gonna have done a little bit of a rabbit hole there but i mean you you personally have worked on some some huge clients. Um, I'm just going to name a couple here. Uh, I've got Domino's, Budweiser, Mountain Dew, Activision. Is there a project that you know really stood out uh, for you, or even maybe a favorite project? Hmm. Um. I don't know. I don't know if I have a, a favorite project. I guess I would. I you know. I guess I'm. I, maybe one that I feel is, is okay. I guess I, I did this thing. Um, I started this little movement, um, called red thumb reminder. Oh, about, okay, right. Yeah. I think I've seen this on your, on your site. I mean, it's like, uh, maybe eight years ago, mm -hmm. six or seven years. I don't know. It was a long time ago. Um, and basically it was an idea to help, um, with distracted driving, right? Texting and driving or using your cell phone while you're driving. And, um, and I guess why, and it, it really took off. It was just an idea that I sort of hatched to paint your, your thumb, that your thumbnail bright red so that when you pick up your phone in a, in a car, you see this big red thumbnail and it'll remind you to, Oh wait, no, put the phone down. Yeah. Um, and, and it'll also elicit conversations, especially if you're a man, you know, people will ask like, what's with the thumbnail and then you can talk to them about it. And then it, so it's, it, it, the idea itself has virality built in because as I did this, I would find myself all day talking to people about it and then they'd be like, cool, I want to do that. And then they would do it. But I guess, you know, and, and all I did was made a little video of it and a little simple website and gave it a hashtag and a name. And, and that's really it because mm. it was, it was an idea. Yeah. It wasn't really anything. And, and it took off, uh, so quickly and so massively, um, 
I think Nissan eventually made it their official thing. And there was yeah, like yeah. Adam Levine was on The Voice and yeah. did a thing about it. And it just became really, really, really big. And I would get all these emails from like high schools that were like wanting to do it at their high school and this and that and this. And so I think for me, you know, why I guess I'm mentioning it is because I'm like, there's no way to quantify it, but potentially it saved a life. Yeah, no, You know absolutely. what I mean? Like if somebody yeah. uh, did that. And so I think it's, it's always good to when you can use creativity to solve a problem that, you know, mm. is potentially life or death or, or something like that. And, and a, that to me was the reason I, I like that so much is because I realized it's not, you know, everybody else, there's, there, there's continue to be so many amazing, amazing award-winning pieces of creative in this topic, you know, mm. like AT&T's documentary series, The Last Text, I think it was called. Like, I mean, just amazing. Mm. But I sat there and was like, this isn't an awareness issue. Like, everybody knows texting and driving is dangerous. Yeah. Like, everybody knows that. But we'll still do it. And so for me, I was like, this is a habit issue. Yeah. It's not that I, like, need to know it's wrong because – or dangerous because I'm still doing it. And so that's why this idea was a utility designed to help me break the habit. In the moment, I would pick up this phone and I'd have to make a conscious decision to ignore it. And you can't at that moment because you're like, oh, wait, <laughs> I know. Okay, put it down, put it down. Yeah. And literally it just takes a couple weeks and then you and then it's a habit. And then you then you're not reaching for the phone anymore. And you kinda so that's why I guess why I was thinking I choose that to answer your questions because i felt like a it wasn't advertising mm -hmm. there's not a, advertising isn't always the way to solve a problem uh it it identified what the problem really was and just came up with a solution for it and that that to me is creativity yeah. i think a lot of times people confuse creativity with being artistic like you got to be you know make a really beautiful piece of film or an awesome picture or this or that no it's creativity is solving a problem with an alternative solution. And so that's that. Unfortunately, I, you know, it, it became a thing where it got kind of big and I was being asked to speak and do this and that. And I'm like, I just have the idea, like <laughs> it's open source, everybody do whatever you want with it. And so I'm not, I'm not very active in it, but there's groups everywhere. There's actually a huge, the biggest ones in the UK, they're called my red thumb. Right. Um, and they're, they're really, really, I mean, it's like an organization. They're like doing something with it. And I think wow. that is just super awesome. But uh, I've, I've kind of handed the keys of like the Facebook page and everything over to some people who wanted to keep it going. But that's awesome. I would say that's that's my answer, at least for today yeah, on, on that question. It looks, <laughs> it looks great. It absolutely does. Um, while you've been talking about it, I've been looking at the project. Uh, so you've got Blake Sheldon in there as well. Is it Blake Shelton? Yeah. Blake Sheldon? Yeah. Um, wow. It, it's great. It's a great idea as well, you know, to, um, again, like you say, just using creativity to solve lives and um, to solve problems and save lives. So you're, um, so you're obviously not a VaynerMedia anymore. What, what's next? Uh, you've started your, your new adventure at Maiden House. Yeah. So I, uh, I'm just kind of in the initial stages of, uh, of a new, 
well, I think it's it's new. It's definitely new for me, but mm-hmm. um, but it feels pretty new in the industry. It, you know, it's called Made in House, and basically what I do is uh, I work with brands and I help them build their in-house creative capabilities. Uh-huh. So uh, you could call it a consultancy, but specifically for the creative part, and that's something no one's really focused on too much, or or that I've found. And, and one of the reasons is, you know, probably a couple of years ago, I personally started to notice the trend. You know, we had some clients who, well, there was, there was one time where we had a client hire a couple of people on my team to go st- be part of their newly formed in-house agency that was designed to complement. It wasn't like we were losing business to it, but still mm. I was like, I am seeing this trend more and more and more. You're seeing you're seeing agencies struggle. You know, you're seeing some of them go out of business because they're like, wait, this, we can't keep up. We can't run our business with how much we're being pinched with budgets, timelines, all of these things that I think are a product of the current media landscape. And so between seeing more in-house agencies um, being developed, seeing more of them being successful, seeing talent, you know, typically would only want to be part of an agency yeah. now being attracted to in-house seeing that happen. And then also, you know, my thing, especially the last years at Vayner was, is like, how do we get closer and closer to the client? Like we were, we were so integrated. We were like on text chains with our client. We were moving fast, boom, boom, boom. This to me was like, I'm like, and I'm, I'm certainly not a doom and gloom, like the advertising agencies are dead. None of that. Mm-hmm. But I was, for me, I was like, wait a minute. The, this is, I believe where it's going is that is, is in house brands are becoming more savvy. Like I said, better creative is going there. So yeah. I decided this iron's pretty hot. It's something that I'm interested in having just built pretty capable group at VaynerMedia. I had a little bit of the confidence of like, I don't know how to take a thing that is pretty chaotic and make it work. Mm-hmm. And I can go do that for brands. Um, and so I started made in-house and and really, you know, it isn't about, I really don't believe it's about in-house versus agency. Mm-hmm. I think it's about creating creative opportunity for the community as a whole. Mm-hmm. If I'm a creative person here, and I, I want to be able to go, oh, I could work at an agency and be fulfilled. I could work at this brand and be fulfilled. I could go work at this platform and be fulfilled. Yeah. And and I just like the underdog. You know, I like that in-house agencies have always been thought of as, well, at least by the by the advertising side, as like sort of the second class citizen. You know, it's like, ooh, it's the minor leagues. Yeah, totally. And I'm like, I'm like I just don't think that's true or needs to be true. Mm-hmm. And so it's uh, – it's the endeavor that I've embarked myself on and it's, it's been, it's been fun. It's been really great. And there's so much potential and opportunity and some, most of it is, is some basic stuff yeah. that just because by nature of being on the brand side, no one has really thought of to change. And so I think the unlock is, is pretty on paper, it's very simple. Sometimes it's hard to get organized. It takes some time mm. to get organizations to think a little bit differently. But uh, yeah, so that's that's what I've uh, that's what I that's what I want to do now. Um, I don't know if it was a midlife cri- mid career crisis type thing or whatever, but I just 
I've been doing creative advertising for 20 years and, and, you know, reinvention is scary Mm. and who knows how long it'll, it'll take. But I was just like, I saw it. The opportunity was there. Uh, I had a CEO and a friend who was very supportive and I just Mm. was like, this is the time to do it. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great idea. Absolutely. It's a great idea. And it's just, um, it's just made me think when you've been talking about then you're absolutely right. I've, I myself have noticed how in-house teams, in-house creative teams have just got a, a lot bigger over the last four or five years. And I, I do think it's because brands are starting to realize how important, you know, content and creativity is. And they're starting to invest more resource into that. And um, rather than, you know, if they're thinking about long-term investments, you know, if they have to outsource everything, then you know, eventually they're going to spend more money than if they were to grow their in-house team. So it's a great idea. Plus, you get to advise these in-house teams that you're meeting that if they were to outsource any media, they can use VaynerMedia. <laughs> I mean, that's right. That's so, I mean, yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think there will always be a need for everything. I mean, it's just, it's like, that's just there's an audience for everything you know if you look hard enough and and so i don't think i i definitely stray away from big sweeping comments like that i'll hear in the industry of like this is dead or this is this and this is it's like yeah there's always something you just gotta be you gotta be smart about it and and specific about it and things like that but i've found you know i think and I think the in-house trend is probably driven by bottom line, mm-hmm. but I actually don't think that's the number one benefit, uh, I believe. Because, you know, I'm, what I'm doing, I'm not trying to go help a brand be a carbon copy of an advertising agency. I don't, I don't think that's the answer either. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so I've developed, uh, I don't know, a methodology or a framework that – was something I actually really tried to do at VaynerMedia, but I realized it, I don't want to say it's impossible, maybe someone else could do it better, but Mm. I was unable to make it work as an agency partner, but it can work as a, as an insider at, at at the, at the brand itself. And it's just, it really is just this notion of understanding that brands are media networks, Mm -hmm. right? They're no different than a, than a television network. They have, and if a brand has a very specific reason, uh, purpose, or mission, or what, or whatever, then it's about creating, uh, just like a television network would, um, a volume of what I call shows. Mm-hmm. So it's an approach that I call the shows approach, and it's just you know creative, you know, um, pillars or content buckets or things like that of ideas or episodes, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. that you design, you intend to do more of, to build equity of. So if you would have your brand and go, cool, here's the brand. And on all of these channels, all of these different social channels that are made available to us, what are the shows that we're putting out that collectively speak to the mission of this brand? And then it allows you to, A, you're playing the volume game. You're out, you're able to see what, creative show ideas get engagement and which ones don't. So you're able to optimize and, and reinvent and blah, blah, blah. So it's a much more active, alive, exploratory Mm. process that requires you to be 
on the inside. You have to be, you get the, 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 just the, the, the layers of removal from being an agency were, were made this really impossible yeah. for us to be like, we have an idea because it has to be quick. It has to be, um, the content does have to be, you have to make it yourself too. It's just, it's too cost prohibitive to make, you know, 20 different shows at any given moment out in, out into the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to build your, your production, you know, capabilities in house. You have to be able to, um, react and respond in house. So, and also it is, it isn't a big money maker. So agencies have a hard time with this too. Cause it's like, if you're an agency, you make a lot of money with, by selling a big expensive piece of film or something that takes yeah. a lot of people, a lot of time. Mm-hmm. That's how you market up. That's how you make a lot of money. It's, it's really hard to make a lot of money going, Hey, I have an army of people making videos and gifts and things like that at any given moment and, and being more exploratory, that's better on the in-house. So, yeah. so made in-house is about not just taking the agency model that I've been very familiar with, but more so the thing that I've been developing over the last couple of years, this mindset of, of a brand as a media network and let's build the content engine within the brand to be able to produce a constant volume of uh, hopefully interesting. And that's really the part that needs to get brought into a brand because most brands in house, you know, it's a little bit more promo based or business based. It's if I can instill the notion of like, Oh, if something has a really good hook behind it or an interesting Mm. twist that will increase engagement. Um, And so that's, that's the mission that I'm, and it's a new, a new thing. I can't, I can't sit here and say, you know, I'm an expert on it or here's mm-hmm. how, here's how it works. Yeah, I'm, I happen to be one of the first to, to do it or give it a try again at this specific angle. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm, I'm learning as I go. That's awesome. So how long have you been doing it for now then? Is it uh, a couple months? Just a couple months. Yeah. Awesome. It feels like a long time, but I, I, <laughs> I only left VaynerMedia uh, two months ago, yeah, two months um, wow. but it, it does feel feels like a very long time for some reason. Wow. Well, um, Steve, I, I wish you all the best of luck with Maiden House and, and everything that you do. And th- thank you so much for joining me. I can't thank you enough. I really can't. I know you're a busy man. Um, it's super early in the morning, so thanks for you know getting up and jumping straight online and to speak to me and. Good luck with keeping fit, staying healthy, eating well, <laughs> and hopefully, yeah, and hopefully we get to do something similar again. I no, I appreciate the conversation, and uh, yeah, I look forward to, to continuing it down the line.